Welcome to the Speaking From Our Hearts podcast. In this edition, we'll be talking about many aspects of life, particularly health, relationships and wealth-related topics, all from a heart-centred approach. Your host, Paul Lowe, has a long and successful history of helping others through his coaching and mentoring, as well as his many charitable initiatives. He's been responsible for positively impacting thousands of people's lives, particularly young people from challenging backgrounds. Paul is the author of the books Mastering the Game of Life from Pain to Purpose and Speaking from Our Hearts. Welcome listeners to this Speaking from Our Hearts podcast episode where I'm inviting back Mark Hoy from from Tucson, Arizona. And you may recall Mark's been on previous, uh, he's been on three previous episodes. I think his first one was around his book, Lasting Happiness. He then followed up with Teaching Happiness is My Purpose. And then followed that by The Power of Conversation, Happiness in Relationships. So Mark's here to talk to us today about embracing intimacy the heart of relationships. Mark, a very, very warm welcome to you. Thank you so much, Paul. And again, I really love being here on the show. Thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure. It really is. So tell us about embracing intimacy, the heart of relationships, Mark. Thank you, Paul. Yeah, I really think that what we all crave are connections, deep connections. And we want to belong. We want to feel that we are part of something Um, we want to be loved and we want to give love and all of that requires intimacy and essentially intimacy is really nothing more than paying attention and willing to be vulnerable and those two things in combination are magical when it comes to transforming relationships because if you really pay attention you really listen to the other person and you respond with kindness, that will ultimately lead to uh, intimacy. And that is, uh, in my way of thinking anyway, and from what I've seen and and read, um, it's absolutely crucial if you want to have really good, healthy relationships. That's what what you need to do. So that's the essence of it. And there's a lot more to it. Of course, there's a lot of different kinds of techniques and things. There's a lot of tools that I'd like to share with you today um, on how you do that and how you move that forward. A lot of people think, okay, yeah, that's great, but how do I achieve it? And that's, you know, that's what I'd like to share with you today. Okay, so before we get into that kind of detail, Mark, I want to challenge, if I may, if challenge is the right word, um, Mm -hmm. I work on a very polarised approach, sometimes, not always, of love versus fear. So whenever I hear that beautiful, beautiful word love, straight away, my mind flips over and thinks, where's fear then? Where's, Where's its nemesis, fear? What, mm-hmm. What's your sort of thoughts around fear and that lo- that love fear? I don't know if mm-hmm. you call it relationship, Mark, but certainly mm-hmm. challenge. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely, you're right, and that, I think that that's where most people are um, in in many ways, especially when it comes to our relationship with the w- wider world. And the fear part is from the fear of vulnerability. Mm. And we don't want to share. We're afraid to share because, of course, if we do, we risk being harmed in some way. We risk people rejecting us. We risk uh, a world that scorns us or uh, belittles us in different ways. Um, And so that, to me, the fear part comes with vulnerability. Uh, 
And uh, we, you have to be willing to be vulnerable to share. And that's what sharing is, is when you open up and you say, yeah, this is who I am. And in doing that, you risk being rejected. You risk being, uh, you know, you risk everything. And that's why intimacy is so rare and so valuable because we so seldom are willing to be vulnerable. Mm. Vulnerability for me, Mark, I don't know if you agree with this personally, but it, it's, it, it really is the epitome of faith. I mean, people talk about faith in you know, in so many guises. But for me, it is about having the the strength, the courage around. Yeah, I think it's Brenny Brown when she says, uh, you know, your vulnerability is your strength. But it's mm -hmm. it's frightening, Mark, isn't it? It's because of the reasons you've mentioned. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it is difficult. You have to be willing to um, accept that somebody is going to say, no, I don't want to know you or say at the world saying no i don't we don't like your idea we don't like what you're doing or whatever you have to that's where the strength part that you mentioned comes in where you're willing to be strong of character enough to say you know what that's okay i can move past this and um if you if you have that if you have that strength if you're willing to summon that up that's when real intimacy becomes possible because now you're able to find the right person. You don't want to be with somebody that rejects you. You don't want to be with somebody who doesn't want you. You want to be with somebody that responds positively. And to get to that person, yeah, you have to accept some rejection along the way. And uh, that's that's something that, um, you know, and again, you mentioned fear. And, and absolutely, we have to, that's something, uh, and I hadn't really thought about that, to be honest with you. That's something that you do have to face when it comes to finding the right person uh, that you want as your romantic partner. Um, well, actually, with any relationship, whether it's a business partner, whether it's a friend, um, it always comes back to that, you know, that willingness to uh, accept rejection and say, yeah, well, it didn't work out. That's OK. Let's move on. What about a relationship, Mark, that's even closer to home? i.e. the relationship with ourselves mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, th I think um, we have something really special and that we kind of click in a certain way and um, <laughs> it's not something I've really thought about but yeah I think that um, I certainly accept uh, you know feel an acceptance with you and I, I think you feel the same with me and um, we do share kind of a, a background of some trauma and um, some other things there that uh, there's a simpatico there. And so the vulnerability, uh, yeah, I feel safe being vulnerable. I feel safe being open here. And that's that's a wonderful space to be in. Well, that was actually, ironically, Mark, that was my second, uh, I was going to move on to that because what I actually meant, but we can do it in reverse order. It's not, a, you know, these <laughs> things flow. We haven't got a set agenda. Um, this is a conversation between, as you quite rightly uh, say now, friends, um, intimate friends, I would add on that. But what I actually meant in my first um, probe there, Mark, was intimate with ourselves. I mean, literally with I with me right. and you with you, so to right. speak. Right, right. With with yourself. Yeah. Intimacy yes. with the self. Yeah, absolutely. That's where it all begins. And it really comes down to something that people don't like doing, which is simply being willing to 
really spend time with yourself and spend a little bit of effort and energy on getting to know yourself. And that's something that, uh, especially here in the West, we really resist. And we're, uh, we're so focused on rationality and reason and uh, life of the mind and all that. And how, um, you know, intellectual achievements are the crowning uh, achievement of, of life and all the rest. And um, it's something that's harmful in many ways because we've lost touch with our emotional selves. We've lost touch with our heart. And getting back in touch with that part of yourself, the intuitive side that doesn't really use words, uses images and feelings, and getting back in touch with that is really crucial to establishing intimacy with yourself. And so um, you know, we've discussed this before several times, and, and I'm sure that you deal with it almost on a daily basis, probably, and that's um, reconnecting with your intuition. Mm. And doing that is absolutely crucial to successful intimacy with yourself. And it's very, very simple. Um, we've Again, we've discussed it before. Uh, simple breathing exercises, being willing to set aside 10 or 15 minutes, either in the morning or in the evening, whenever you're not going to be disturbed. And just spending just a little bit of time opening that door and letting that conversation occur so that ultimately, as you get to know yourself better and you accept yourself as you are, you accept the parts of yourself that you may not uh, be proud of, the parts of yourself that you may be ashamed of. Maybe there's parts of yourself that you're not really happy with. But if you are willing to reserve judgment, just like with others, if you're willing to accept them as they are, with yourself, accepting yourself as you are, and moving forward from that, that that's the foundation for intimacy and for a good relationship with self. Absolutely, Mark. Couldn't agree more. But I think the challenge is as well that I think when we look externally, I think it's relatively easier to look externally than look internally, because if we look externally, we can to my way of thinking anyway, um, and I stand to be challenged on this, but if we look externally and it doesn't work, we can just we can just get rid of that person out of our lives. I mean, mm -hmm. I know it's not as quite as easy as that. Whereas mm -hmm. with ourselves, there's nowhere to run and hide, is there? But no. the paradox on that for me, Mark, is until we address that internal scenario, we've not really got anything of any meaningfulness to give externally anyway. So it's a bit of a... A catch-22 situation, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yes, you cannot. It's just like with love. If you don't love yourself, you can't love other people. It's not possible. Um, if you're not intimate and you don't know yourself, then you can't be intimate and know other people that well because there's. you're right, you can't share. You have to have something to share. You have to have something um, solid. And that comes from that intimacy, that comes from that understanding and that self-knowledge, which only comes when you are willing to spend a little time. And that kind of comes back to that original statement that I made of paying attention and spending time, that that's really the core uh, of the whole thing, that it's really that simple. Um, it's being sensitive. And so when, like, for example, when you speak and, and I'm listening to you, it's really hearing what you're saying and trying to reach that thing that you're trying to communicate. And when you listen that way and you respond in that way, 
that's when intimacy happens because you're listening and responding appropriately. You're listening and you're paying attention and you're responding in a way that shows that you care and that you want to help. Mm. I think often, Mark, um, as, as human beings, we don't really understand the power of listening, do we? We just take it for granted. And I think, you know, depending where we're at at uh, a given moment in time, because, you know, to use a well-known, well-worn cliche of life gets in the way and you don't understand. And, oh, I wish, you know, I wish I had your life because you've got it so easy and all these judgments where human nature tends to, to step in and let the ego, uh, you know, have a have a free ride, so to speak. But so, right. so there's all this stuff kind of going off in the background, isn't there? Yeah, I was passing by a hospital, a behavioral health hospital the other day. There's one not far from where I live. And um, I was thinking, wow, this incredible and a very expensive facility, big, big facility and, and expensive. And I thought a whole place dedicated to listening. Mm. I thought that's so funny. I mean, it's not funny, actually. It's, it's profound. Mm. But um, that's really the cure for so many different mental illnesses and, and troubles, depression, anxiety, uh, you name it, just a, a huge list of things that are wrong, um, that can go wrong with our mind and our state of being. And it really, most of it, almost all of it can be cured by finding a good sympathetic listener who has something intelligent to offer and, and is willing to help. And amazing that something that sim that, uh, difficult could be solved with something that simple i think people you know it's a sort of real um basic human need point of view more i think as, as, as people we just want to we just need to know that somebody actually really cares or wants you know mm -hmm. so can give us five it can be a total stranger can't it but that can give us that attention that um mm -hmm. be, that presence just for maybe only a couple of minutes Mm -hmm. Isn't it amazing Absolutely. how powerful that is? It, you know, it, as you, you know, to use a word that you used earlier on, uh, Mark, it's profound. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, and there's there's something there too that um, it doesn't even have to be verbal. Um, there's a very ancient exercise. It's called the Trespasso exercise. I don't know. Are you familiar with it? I'm not. Mark, no. Okay. Well, there's a similar ritual used by the Tibetan monks also, but basically all you're doing is you get, and this requires a really high level of trust actually for something that's an, as, as simple as it is. If you sit away about, you know, three, four feet away from somebody and you're both sitting on pillows, or you're sitting on the ground or you're sitting on a couch, doesn't matter where, but get about three or four feet away from someone and simply silently stare at each other's face, mm -hmm. stare into each other's eyes. And this, um, the monks, the Tibetan monks believed that if you stare into the left eye, you're staring into the window of the soul. And if you stare without blinking for as long as you can, but it seems that about five minutes, what happens is that according to the Tibetan monks, you're seeing past incarnations flow across your the other person's face you see what they were in previous incarnations now whether or not you have a mystical experience of this kind and it may be an it may be an illusion of the eyes also it's possible that that's what's happening just some staring without blinking but whatever that is 
that wordless sharing is just amazing and I don't know uh, if you ever have someone that you feel that close to that you can do that with try it because it's an amazing experience just something as simple as sitting and staring at somebody's face and staring at their eyes and, and looking into each other's eyes after about five or ten minutes because at first it's very uncomfortable <laughs> it's really that kind of sharing is a amazing and after a few minutes it's it's incredible how profound the connection is between you and how intimate you feel with that person just from a simple sitting and staring and sharing of that being willing to let somebody stare at your face and you're staring at theirs you're staring into their eyes and so that ancient exercise that trespasso exercise kind of illustrates for me um, the ultimate in intimacy that you're willing to just really be open and vulnerable with somebody for a while and um, again it doesn't it doesn't even have to require words it can be as simple as just staring at somebody's eyes and letting them stare into yours I now you've um, put it into context Mark I was aware of the exercise I didn't know what it was called I must admit but I would I'd like to sort of take that a stage further and um, certainly one of the things that um, you know, I've, I've said to people in the past that, um, you know, along the lines of building self-esteem up and, and, and self-forgiveness um, is is to do that. Uh, and particularly to, to guys um, where there's been, and I'm stereotyping massively here, but mm -hmm. there's been a, high, a very high protective level of ego. And mm -hmm. my exercise, which I think runs very parallel to this, Mark, is the next time you're having a shave and looking in, in the mirror... Tell that mm -hmm. guy how much you love him, what a really beautiful soul he is. And, you know, I know mm -hmm. you use really emotive, almost feminine language. And mm -hmm. it's a real sort of, um, no pun intended, eye-opener. Um, mm -hmm. So, yes, I was aware of it, but it's yeah, it's powerful. But I think there again, Mark, the reason I'm mentioning that is that as, you know, isn't that awkward to do that to yourself, let alone with mm -hmm. a stranger? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And um, when you were mentioning that, I was, you know, kind of visualizing that. And I can imagine the great difficulty that many people would have. I think that there would be a lot of inner work to where people could get to where they could say those statements and have them be true. Mm. To simply be able to stare at yourself and say, I love you. I think you're a wonderful person to be able to get to that point and mean it. Uh, that's <laughs> there'd, be, there'd be some serious <laughs> inner conversation that would have to precede that I think in many cases because a lot of people I, I think that especially today in a society that's um, you know and we're, we have ideal images beamed at us constantly and constantly this media barrage of the perfect life you know and who you should be and how, you know, the perfect body and the perfect face and, the, and so on and so forth. Because that's what the media does is they try, they try to make you feel bad to buy their product. Right. Yeah. So, um, but we're surrounded by these images of just how inadequate we are mm -hmm. and just how fall, you know, far we fall short of the ideal to where I think uh, subconsciously many of us, yeah, that's a real problem to be able to say, I accept you as you are and I love you as you are and you're a wonderful person. Um, wow, that's powerful and, and, and difficult and difficult, I would imagine.
Just to put that in some some kind of context, though, Mark, uh, and you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, that to to actually believe that statement, you know, that's that's a lot further down the line. But my, I suppose, my strategy there is I've got to get past that ego uh, before I can work with people, and so I mm-hmm. call it break the stallion, walk with uh-huh. the horse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Because you know that st- that stubborn stallion, that ego has got to be broken, and I think it's a very, you know, it's a stark but effective method of saying, okay, now you are starting to become vulnerable. You're starting to use language that, you know, your ego doesn't like this. Guys mm-hmm. don't talk like you know. We're, we're kind of parallel, and I know we've had this conversation many times before, Mark. But we're kind of parallel with that adage of big boys don't cry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, very much the gender role locked into that whole gender role thing of, of the tough guy and, mm. and uh, you know, the, but yeah, you're absolutely right. The armored ego and uh, you must get beyond that. You have to get beyond the ego to get anywhere, whether it's with yourself or with others. Yeah, no question. Mm. So you alluded to at the top of the um um, the top of the uh, program, Mark, around, you know, giving some insights. And I know you've shared some already. Are there any other aspects around really propounding this this in- intimacy? Yeah, there's one that I really enjoy. And, and I've done this in the past, and it always has been revelatory. And you can do it in different ways. There's, there's different approaches to this, but I call it the truth game. And um, it's very simple very very easy to do and um you can you can apply rules like i have or not it depends on who you're dealing with but for example let's say that you have a potential romantic partner Mm. um that's the one that where you know this most often comes into play but you can adapt it for anyone and the essence of it is very very simple you both agree that you're going to answer any question completely honestly that you're going to be completely open and trustworthy and honest about this and that the other person can ask any question they like and when you answer then you get a a chance to ask a question of your own and in some of the rule the ground rules that i always said are that you don't you don't cheat you don't try and probe so for example if you say that you don't want to answer that question that's fine you don't try and go around it and try to find another way to ask the same question you accept that that person has closed that subject off Mm. Um, another ground rule is that if the person doesn't answer for three questions in a row the game's over because they're not willing to play you know so you have to be willing to be open and honest and answer questions and then um the best questions, of course, and, and this is essential too, the best questions are open-ended and not, not yes or no answers. So if you, if you can get somebody to play that truth game and you say, listen, I really want to get to know you. Could we play the truth game? And if they're willing to engage with you that way, that boy, that's a quick, quick way to reach intimacy because you can ask those central questions that are so important. And this, but the same thing applies to yourself or the same thing applies to friends. It could apply to anybody that you want to engage with. And uh, the kind of questions you ask that are the open-ended ones are the powerful ones, which is, you know, what's your greatest fear? What's your greatest accomplishment? What are the things that you love the most? What's your passion? What is it that you hope to achieve in this life? Where are you going and why? Um, what is it that I can do to help you? Um, what is it that you need? 
what is it you know and on and on you go but those are the kind of questions that open the doors to intimacy and uh, it's a simple exercise that anyone can do and it just requires somebody to be engaged with you and that you're paying attention and listening and that but that interchange is just really um, I can't stress how often enough, uh, you know, how many times in the past I've had romantic partners that uh, that it began with that kind of exchange, maybe not actually calling it the truth game, but simply saying, you know what, I am willing to really, truly be honest and open with you, answer anything, ask me anything you want, and I'll tell you the truth. I'm not going to hide anything. And that willingness is what opens the door to intimacy. I, I was um, I was listening to that intently, Mark, um, and with a with a smile on my face. And the reason I had the smile because um, somebody approached me relatively recently and um, is in the dating game and said, "I don't I don't really know what to say um, because you know I'm having these kind of you know starting these new relationships and they're not mm-hmm. working." Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I said, well, this is probably, and I think it's very much tied in with what you've just said there, Mark. Um, mm-hmm. I said, how do you, this is probably the most unromantic question <laughs> or scene setting scenario that you could envisage. However, you know, you need to dress it up a bit better and a lot smoother. But essentially, mm-hmm. I would me- almost mechanically ask, what's your vision and values? Because that will give you so much insight into into that person. You know, where are they going? Where do they aspire to go? And with the mm-hmm. values, how they're going to get there? How do they want to get there? Mm-hmm. And and he, he sort of and he said to me, and I'll quote verbatim, Mark, "You're completely off your head." He said, "I'll never have another date again." And I said, "Well, that's probably a good thing because the ones that you're having aren't lasting anyway." <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. Oh, man. But no, you're absolutely right. And the essence of it is that if they don't share your values and visions, you don't want to be with that person. If they have, if they want to go somewhere that you don't want to go, that's not who you want to be with. Oh, that's so true. And it's uh, so important also to share values and visions with the people that you form relationships with. And that's the only way to find out is to ask and say, what is it? But your own vision and values, you know, you had mentioned earlier the individual and the self. Absolutely. It's, a, it's incredible how few people have done that and had that conversation with themselves and really examined their own values and visions. What is it that they want to achieve? What are they working towards? And I think many people, and again, we've talked about this in the past, that many people do not have that conversation and they don't have a good solid grasp of what their vision and values are and what is it that they're working towards are they working towards somebody else's vision are they working towards something they've just accepted as being a value and um without ever examining it and i think many people live lives that are dissatisfied for that very reason yeah i i absolutely well i know that to be true certainly with the work i do more and yeah I think from a sort of mentoring point of view, I have to to really check my my words here and sort of measure my words because that that reaction to that is, um, you know, why don't you get yourself a mentor? Because he or she can 
guide you through life's storms so much more efficiently and you know and all this kind of stuff and that's that kind of impetuous human nature almost dare I say ego driven response but the reality mm-hmm. from a from a higher knowledge or an eye awareness point of view is that is that's you know that that is not the way that life unfolds for you know the vast majority of of, of people is it it's just I think it's, you know, it is that from a coaching stroke mentoring point of view, Mark, it's it's a constant development or having that awareness to say, hang on, it's okay you being at that higher level with all this understanding and this these insights and this this awareness and, and, and this experience and making sense of it all. You know, and I've lost count, Mark, certainly in the earlier days of my mentoring journey of, the frustrations I had when, do you not see that? Can you not see the obvious? And it's mm-hmm. like, no, <laughs> no, I, I don't, I don't get it. It's like, oh, okay. And, and, you know, that sort of <laughs> that personal development point of view, I think, and there's great learning in this for all of us. I had to go on to another sort of offer to tangent. And it's actually, Paul, it's, it's not the people, it's you. You're not, you're not you know, you're not positioning the mirror right so they see or the microphone right so they hear properly you're not conveying it's not about it's not about you boy get over yourself it's about meeting their needs and i think there's a you know meeting their needs mark i think is three very very uh critical words are they not yeah absolutely and and again that that ties in perfectly with intimacy because that is what you do is you give you, you listen to what they're saying and you give them what they need. And doing that is, that's what opens the door. That's what, that's what makes it happen. That's that responding appropriately with kindness. And it's not easy. Uh, it's simple, but it's not easy. And that's, I think, why it's so rarely done. When you look around your life and you count the number of people who are willing to really truly give you what you need and who do it out of love and, and do it out of respect or caring or what, whatever their motives may be. But the number of people who are willing to do that for you in any human life is going to be limited. You're not going to have that many people playing that role in your life. And if you take on that role for someone else, boom, instantly, you're a very important person in that person's life. And that is why um, that's that's the key. That's the doorway to intimacy, and uh, you you hit right on it, which is giving, um, being willing to give what that person needs. And uh, if you're not willing to do that, then it's not going to happen. You cannot have a relationship where you don't share. Um, it doesn't. It's not a relationship <laughs> if you're if you're uh, involved with somebody where you're not giving them anything or you're not sharing anything. It's not a relationship. It's a. It's not even a business transaction. I don't know what you'd call it. Uh, mm. But uh, yeah, no, absolutely, you're right. I've heard so many times, Mark, the statement, "I'm better off on my own. Why bother? It's it's just easier that way." And I think you've kind of encapsulated that, uh, you know, you, you've, you've reinforced it a few times, quite rightly, Mark. It's, it's not easy. But I think when, when we look at or when we feel or know to be true, the beauty of being able to share with somebody. And, and I would say, actually, we can share intimacy without being intimate, which is a bit of a, a sort of contradiction. But what I mean intimate and in, say like a personal relationship um, 
um, mm -hmm. you know, a boy girl sort of stereotypical. Um, I shouldn't put it across in that, um, you know, but that ro it, romantic is the word I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. So apologies, mm -hmm. listeners. I kind of got that wrapped around my neck a little bit, but just proves the authenticity, I think, and the vulnerability that goes mm -hmm. off in these podcasts when we when we speak from our hearts, mm -hmm. and that's absolutely fine. Um, so yeah, there's there's this whole thing, Mark, isn't there? Around you know, better off being on my own, and you know, it's easier, and but it's not, is it? Um, because I think the power of being and having that trust and that sharing. I personally believe, and I know it's all about personal choice, but it's well worth making that investment. Well, I think if you examine the life where you don't have the intimacy and the sharing, um, that that's where you see the value of it. Because the people that don't have that have lives that are empty of meaning, because meaning comes from sharing with others and from helping others. That's the essence of, of meaning and purpose is to be involved in the world, to be involved in others' lives in a positive way. That's where meaning comes from. So if you don't have that, you, your life is empty and meaningless. Um, if you don't have relationships where you're sharing, then you're alone. And for there's very few people, I think, that are comfortable being truly alone. We all want to be loved. We all want to belong. And so if you take the easy route and you say, you know, I'm not going to be vulnerable. I'm not going to share. I'm just going to do it on my own. What you have is an isolated life that's essentially without meaning. And um, that's a painful kind of existence. So the and, and awkward and difficult and uncomfortable and unhappy. And uh, so it is quote unquote kind of easier to go the isolated route, the solipsistic route, if you will. But it's not ultimately it's a it's a very, very gray, awful sort of existence, I don't think. I think whenever you go and, and this was something that I, I talk about a lot with meaning, um, any any quick visit to an old age home, any quick visit to a ward of, of terminally ill people mm. and you see just how terrible loneliness is when you're at the when you're at that stage of life and um, that's what people look back on and regret and that's what you think about and uh, that's what's really crucial in human life is loving and being loved and uh, you have to be willing to to create intimacy, which means you have to be willing to be vulnerable in order to do that. If you don't, what what awaits you is a fate that um, in many ways for many people is worse than death, a fate of a, kind of like a living death socially. And that's the alternative. If you don't embrace intimacy, if you don't take the risks, if you're not willing to share, then um, it's a very unhappy life awaiting somebody that doesn't do that. And the sad truth of it is, is that there are many, many chronically lonely people in society. I think the number that I saw in the American Psychological Association Journal the other day was 56 million Americans are chronically lonely. Wow. Horrifying number. Just horrifying. One of the sayings, Mark, that my, um, 
my grandmother when I, when I was a young kid and you know she and I never understood it but I certainly understand it now and it, it kind of propounds what you've just said and she used to say to me Paul remember loneliness is a killer mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. do you know what Mark you know like and I know we can't so it's kind of um, a theoretical but if you could turn the clock back and sort of you know, um, letters I've written never meaning to send or questions I've never asked. That would be one that I'd say, what did you actually mean? The, the reality is I know the answer to that now. But mm-hmm. that went years and, well, decades before. It's like certain things that stuck in my mind and that and that clearly has stuck in my mind. Yeah. Um, loneliness is a killer. Yeah, there's a there's a actual, um, I think it's a Swedish proverb that is very, very close to that. And that is that joy shared is doubled. Sorrow shared is halved. Mm -hmm. And um, that goes right to the heart of that same thing that you, that loneliness, um, and it does kill um, babies that are in an orphanage that are not held die, literally. The death rates for people that are alone, uh, you know, a second heart attack kills them. People that have relationships don't die. Um, heart attacks, uh, the incidence of heart attacks for lonely people are 600% greater, six times more likely to have a heart attack if you live alone without a pet or a, a spouse. So, yeah, absolutely, loneliness is a killer. And um, the cure is to have those relationships in your life. See, Einstein, I think, he said, um, only a life lived for others is a life worthwhile. Mm-hmm. And that, that sort of reinforces. I mean, I think, you know, we could come at this, Mark, couldn't we, from so many, you know, so many mm-hmm. angles, what the eminent practitioners, the academics, mm-hmm. you know, what they say on the, you know, these nice, um, uh, what do they call it, the social media things that they have now, these inspirational quotes and, you know, Fred blogs and Joe blogs said this and it must be right. Well, it's right if it's right for you. But the, the I suppose the point I'm trying to make is, it's right because those quotes, and certainly I think it was Einstein, only a life lived for others is a life worthwhile. It stood the time for a re, um, stood the test of time for a reason. And mm. I know from my own, if I can just share this very briefly, from my own earlier existence, because that's what I had marked through my um, my demons with a drink and, and violence uh, and, and addiction and, and, and all kinds of weird and wonderful stuff was. Um, this need to serve others. I didn't know why I was doing it, but I wanted to help. I now know what I needed was acceptance. I Uh needed significance, but I needed connection. But the point is, in a very crude way, um, I was serving others. I was, you know, I was living a life for others. And that made, that gave me some purpose. And that kept me going when, quite frankly, everything else around me said, stop it don't there's no reason for you to live hence my mm. attempted suicide at an early age and subsequent years of alcohol addiction and um mm-hmm. and all kinds of weird and wonderful stuff thereafter so i think you know mm-hmm. for me i just share that mark for to reinforce that we all need somebody um but it's mm-hmm. it's about finding the right one isn't it and that sounds really obvious and really simple but I think the simplicity of the message is exactly that. Yes, we need somebody, but the right one. Yes, absolutely. And we, 
to to kind of tie it all together and bring it all back it has to it has to come from your experience it must be your experience of the world it can't be a received wisdom it can't be a received something it has to emerge from your own experience and your own uh, relationship with yourself and the world and uh, if it if it's not coming from that experience, then it's not going to be something that's lasting. Mm -hmm. You have to decide, and I'm speaking now you in terms of listeners. Yes. Experience. Think about your own experiences and what is good with them and what is bad with them. What is it that you like and what is it you don't like about people? And, and be willing to spend a little bit of time on that somewhat difficult subject and something that we don't often think about and think about your likes and dislikes in terms of people and relationships and then move that step one step forward to your really to your daily experiences and how many people do you deal with that you don't like how many people do you deal with that you do like and why what is it about them that you like or dislike? What is it that, and then seek out more of the like and slowly, you know, discard some of the dislike stuff. And that's the key to building the life that you really want. Simple as that, but very difficult because it requires some steps. And I think people rely on exactly the things you talked about, the social media, the wisdom, the received you know, external prompts, whatever, but they don't base it on your own experience. And if it's not based on your own experience, then you're not going to be able to have the change that you need. It's just that it's that hard, but it's also that simple of look at what you like and dislike and start decreasing the one and increasing the other and, and working towards relationships that really excite you and make you happy and passionate. Um, I think that that's why I value our friendship so much, Paul, because this to me is a wonderful experience. I'm able to share things with people. Um, I think we're giving value to people and helping them in ways. And that's a wonderful opportunity. And, and so I, I really value our relationship, but in a, in a broader sense uh, for people that are listening, that really is the heart of it. And whether it's yourself whether you're thinking about the things you yourself dislike about yourself, the things that you like about yourself, that's where it has to begin your own experience and extend that out next to your social circle, the people you deal with every day at, at work and in love and, and relationships there. And then further, the final step, of course, your community and the world that you live in and uh, transforming that as well but it, the, it, it does begin with the self and it has to begin with your own lived experience and i think if there's a commonality mark um and i absolutely agree with that um definitely but i think if there's a commonality almost an umbrella that we could put over all of that um uh, and it was one of the reasons actually i i refocused around the, the originally what was the mastering life uh, podcast this mastering life podcast and it is to for all of us to keep speaking from our hearts. And I think, mm -hmm. you know, going back to the top of the the episode, Mark, where, you know, you introduced the word vulnerability, 
We're frightened to do that, aren't we? we it, it, you know, there's, there's a few simple words that keep recurring here, and that V word, that vulnerability, that's very consistent, isn't it? Very consistent. It is, and it is essential. Um, the openness and the sharing and the vulnerability, they all are, they're all together. They're all one. Um, and you, you cannot have intimacy without it has to be there mm. okay it's been certainly been very insightful and uh, what I've particularly um, appreciated around it Mark as, as I do with our our particular conversations is the reflective tone that we adopt it's you know there's a lot of um, there's a lot of dare I say pain but probably experience is a better word it's a more mm. general one but obviously we know um, you know, we've spoke quite at length around a, a number of issues, and obviously, you know, your book, um, Lasting Happiness, tells a very graphic account of, of your journey. Um, but for me, Mark, if I could sum up, I think our conversations, and epitomised by this this episode, uh, as the other three have been, insightful and reflective, and so I offer, I reciprocate that that genuine respect and gratitude. And, and, you know, and offer it really to listeners to say that, you know, two, two guys here, two total strangers from different parts of the world, you know, one from America, one from originally from England, now in Spain, can connect through just using words, really, because that's all we've done, Mark, isn't it? We've not met face to face. We've used words. We've spoke about life. We've spoke about experience. Isn't that a great hopefully a great message to, to listeners to say you know if these two guys can do that maybe maybe you know i could do that as well absolutely and it just comes from being willing to share yeah and 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 of course as you as you point out the 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 experiences having having something worth sharing too of course yeah <laughs> if you if you've just sat around watching the telly all day that's <laughs> yeah probably not going to have a lot to share but um that that being said yeah absolutely sharing is uh that's what we've done and and i think it's been um uh, tremendous it's uh certainly for me on my end i, I feel like uh we've created something valuable and um formed formed a bond and you're right all from just uh you know relaxing and chatting and and having a wonderful time sharing some thoughts and some experiences and that's uh that's amazing it is. You're right. It's absolutely amazing that two people from uh, the other side of the world able to do that. So before we sign off then, Mark, um, anything else you want to add? Only that I really hope that listeners are willing to take that first step because it won't happen if you don't. And um, so to, to kind of wrap it all up, um, and, and by the way, I, I want to reemphasize how much I love the uh, HEARTS acronym. Um, I, I really think that that is uh, a lovely symbol and something that I think all of us can aspire to. But um, to kind of sum it all up in a very simple way, the essence of it is paying attention. And whether it's to yourself, other people, or the world, it has to happen that way. You have to pay attention to others and listen in order to have an impact and then respond appropriately. And if you do that, you're opening the gates to intimacy and you're opening the door to love. 
And so that's what I'd like to leave listeners with. But uh, again, thank you so much, Paul. And I really enjoyed our conversation today. Um, I hope others uh, got something out of it too. Excellent. Thank you, Mark. So there we have it, listeners. Um, until the next time, the only thing I can say to you really is just keep speaking from our hearts. Take care and keep loving. Hearts, helping everyone achieve results towards success.